0: Hello and welcome to episode 91 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. This is the show for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants some ideas and maybe a dose of encouragement to help you enjoy your job and raise more money for your charity. And if you work with major donors or mid-level donors or you manage someone who does this, then I hope you're going to find this episode a valuable listen because today I'm proud to share another interview full of tips and examples from a very successful fundraiser named Linda Harwood Compton, who is Head of Philanthropy in the UK at a charity called Animals Asia. I always learn so much from my chats with Linda, partly because she's endlessly curious and trying new ways to improve relationships with donors, and partly because this approach is working so well. Put simply, each year for the last three years, Linda has taken on a more ambitious budget target, And each year she's exceeded that target enabling her charity to continue to further its mission i originally got to know linda when she took part in the major gifts mastery program that we run for major donor fundraisers and if you're a regular listener to this show you may remember linda from other episodes we've done most recently episode 87 where we talked about how she goes about engaging supporters in our conversation we explored how she uses whatsapp and working effectively across teams within the charity among other things. This time, I'm sharing the second half of our recent chat. And the first thing I wanted to find out was Linda's advice on treating each donor differently. I hope you find our conversation helpful. Hello, Linda. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi there. Hi, how are you?
0: I'm really well, thank you. At a very busy time of year. How are you doing?
1: really good yeah really good i mean it's the, most, it's the busiest time of year isn't it for charities at the minute but um yes yeah, it's, it's going really really well thank you thank
0: you linda i think there's a belief you've got about the importance of trying to understand what's going on for them in my book i and on my courses i say we really want to do this stuff well step one is to try and understand and appreciate their model of the world because any two of your donors they both care deeply about your cause and protecting those animals and protecting the environment and so on but actually their model for why or how it just will be a bit different won't it so what tips do you have for our listeners about doing that thing which is easy to say but actually in practice isn't always easy to do especially if someone is a bit more private for instance
1: absolutely yeah definitely a case of one size doesn't fit all with with fundraising major donor fundraising it doesn't and that's how that's why you've got to get to know your donors and have lots of different you know options and lots of different tactics to to engage them and 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 get to know them but the the simplest thing and i sometimes think people forget this is ask the donor what they want you know what is it we can do for them what works for them and rather than us just trying to guess you know I think they want an email I think they want an email ask them and you know that that happened with me with a donor when I came back from maternity leave normally it had been email that's what they like to communicate and I was emailing and I didn't have a response I thought that's funny like that's that's not like them at all so I thought I'm just going to drop them like a quick whatsapp and just just make sure they're okay um, and they came back straight away, and they, oh goodness, yeah, they said, you know what, we're done with emails, like all these emails in the last, you know, lockdown and all that. We're using WhatsApp now, so if you need us, just just WhatsApp us, and that's my main communication with them. And, and we're happy with that, and and that works, and you know, back and forth, nice, short, short, concise bits of information, which which works really well. And and I think things are are changing as well. And another thing I was going to say is trust, you know. We, we are all about trust is is you know we're the relationship manager and that's something like to um, not forget although we're getting you know people involved from other years of the charity you're still the the linchpin that's holding it all together and you're the one that they trust and, and an example of that is you know things like cases for support and, and whatnot you know sending them out I'm finding a real change with that at the minute I've said to people a couple of times you know I'm, I'm going to send you a case for support the proposal or whatnot and they've said to me, no, can we just jump on a Zoom and can you just tell me? Can you just, you know, I trust what you're going to say. Can you just tell me what it is? I don't I don't need to read through the five pages. And that works so well now. I, I like that, actually. I like that. And you can, you know, have the questions back and forth. And quite often towards the end, they, they, you know, they're like, right, okay, let me go away and think about this. But it's looking good.
0: Thank you, Linda. And just listening to you, I can totally hear how much you care about each of these kind people who, who give to help those animals, And I hear that you're emotionally intelligent and you see that that's important to listen to them and do things in a bespoke way. But also I know that can be hard to do and be efficient. And for instance, look after our work-life balance and, and to do it in an organized way that's not overwhelming. What are your couple of tips for our listeners to help achieve both of those things?
1: First of all, the CRM is your friend. Um, use it to its maximum capacity i mean my crm is opened all day every day constantly using it um, and it's, it's simple things like you know your your prospect plan on your crm you know i have like dates when i should be doing certain things and then i have a reminder come through from the crm to say you know oh, have you done this for this donor yet have you sent sent this email or sent this report um, so that keeps me on track as well um, and, and simple things like you know I was talking about the whatsapp and sending things from the sanctuary you know essentially I'm hitting forward and sending it to you know several donors I'm not sending each of those donors at hi this is Linda like how are you here's something from the sanctuary they know that that's that's the way we're communicating now they know that's from the sanctuary and they see that's a forward I'm the messenger in that situation and um, so so you have to make it. You know, it's busy. You can't just be constantly stewarding and cultivating. You've got to you know, do your prospect research and, and the rest of it. And other things like, you know, personalised films. So we did personalised films for donors who, whose bears have been rescued. And also that's a lot of work for our comms team as well. But, you know, you can get, get round it by topping and tailing. You know, so it might be the, the, the main body of the film is the same, but the topping and tailing is more personalised. Or thank you messages, again, same thank you message, just topped and tailed with personalization. Um, so, sorry, Linda, can
0: I just get a sense of what, what one of those tactics looks like? So a donor who's funding a, the rescue or, or the care of a particular bear, a thing you do is send them footage about that bear after the rescue or whatever that's taken by someone out in the field, and your comms team have got that footage anyway, and then how long is it and, and and then did you say that you can use that same film for more than one donor and you record if you record a little uh before and a little clip that goes at the beginning and at the end are you doing that on zoom or on a smartphone I, just any practical tips for how yeah. to do this tactic which many of us like the idea of but what's your technique
1: that example was actually like a rescue. So the, the middle section was like lots of different bears. So everyone's bear was, was in that footage. Um, and then we talked and tailed it with um, a little bit of specific footage of that person's bear and a thank you. That one was professionally done, actually. That was our comms team and um, the, the filming team in China. But otherwise we will do, you know, do smartphone, you know, grassroots. This this is what's happening now. And ideally, if you can get like that video where there's maybe six bears together, then that's better than just doing each individual bear because I can send that to, um, you know, those six donors who have those bears. Um, And it it never has to be long. I think the one that I was talking about initially for the the rescue, where we did the rescue, I think that was about two, two and a half minutes long. But that's probably one of our longest. You know, people don't have time. They they want to just see something quick. And especially if a lot of people are looking at it on their phone. um, so yeah, that's that's how we went about that one, and we just try and make it as you know efficient as possible. To what extent
0: does your footage go together with that film that someone else has created for you in another team?
1: Um, I don't personally go into the videos because they see me all the time on Zoom or WhatsApp or whatever. So so they, they, they you know they see me often. I do the personalised, bit. I would have somebody from the sanctuary do it and say thank you because they don't see them every day. I'm them and am I right
0: to think that the sanctuary person would thank that donor by name or is that not quite right?
1: Yes. Yeah, they would. They would. Yeah. So maybe, so that would be for like a major donor. See, it was for like a mid-level donor or it was for like a bunch of mid-level donors. I wouldn't get this. I would get the sanctuary staff person to say something generic, like, you know, thank you for, for all your support over the past couple of years. Um, explain like, you know, you've been part of the solution. Um If it was a major donor that contributed a lot, then then I would have it specifically for that person.
0: Thank you, Linda. And I just have such a strong sense of the difference that watching that footage, even imperfect, even just two or three minutes, must make to the donor who's paid for that rescue or that care to happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They, They watch the video and they're just blown away. And their next question is, What can I do now? How can I help now? What's next? How do we, you know, how do we save the bears from Vietnam? How can I be part of this next part of the Animals Asia story? Which is, which is incredible. Absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah. And I don't think I need to see data to get a strong sense that someone who has got this really powerful connection, even if they're just on a train or they're just relaxing on their sofa and on their phone is this footage that their money enabled to happen to make the world a better kind of place for those animals. Those people are just gonna be happier with their support, less likely to cancel, more likely to say, yes, please, I want to be generous next time, than if they haven't, you know, been connected to, to that story. Hi, it's Rob. And I want to jump in quickly to let you know about our two flagship courses, the Major Gifts Mastery Programme and the Corporate Mastery Programme, which are a combination of masterclasses and one-to-one coaching to help fundraising professionals to grow their confidence and their results. To give you a sense of the difference these programmes can make, here's what one fundraiser, Paul Davies, said about how it helped him. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm Head of Communications and Development at Manchester Camerata. We're an orchestra and charity and I've recently done the Major Gifts Mastery Programme um, and I can honestly say it's worth its weight in gold. I was meeting on average um, six people a month and now I'm meeting around 20 and we've recently launched our COVID-19 appeal and we've had an amazing start and I've just secured what is the, the largest gift any individual's given to the charity in the past. Um, yeah, do it. If you'd like to find out more about either programme, go to brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. For now, let's get back to my conversation with Linda as we explore why and how she works hard to find so many real examples to share with her charity's supporters. I suppose my next question is to do with storytelling. I remember when you were on my Mastery program, you, you were really interested from the very start about storytelling and ways we can make that easier and we can be more proactive about sharing real examples.
1: Yeah, I mean s- stories are such a huge part of what we do as, as major donor fundraisers, emotional storytelling. And and like I think what I always say is like when we say emotional storytelling, it doesn't need to be negative, we don't need to bring you know the tears positive emotion is what we're going for and you know as as you teach on 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 your course it's about what is the problem and let me tell you how we solved that um you know it's the the who what was what was the problem what was the action which is where the charity is going to come in and find that solution and we want the donor to hear that story and be like well, I can be part of the solution Because what we're doing is, and I remember you've said this, you say it in your course, you know, we're not asking donors for money. We're helping them like we want their help to solve a problem. And, And storytelling really, really does that. And I think as well, the thing I wanted to say about storytelling is have a variety in your story bank because... There's no point in me telling a story about elephants when I know that donor is actually really passionate about bears. So make sure you you find a problem that the donor cares about and show them how they can help. And I, I just think it, you mean stories, they're, they're memorable, they're tangible, they build rapport, and um, they show what, what we are doing is working as well. Um, so for me, storytelling is so so important. And again, um You know, the fact that I could give a five-page essay about why you should support Animals Asia or I can give you a three-sentence story and it's a three-sentence story that's going to make the difference. And that's why stories are so, so important.
0: Yes, that makes sense, Linda. And from our past conversations, I remember that you don't just save the stories for a presentation. They're not just for an event. Like, they might be in WhatsApp, they might be in a Zoom call, they might be in a phone conversation, they might be in an email, they might be in a thank-you letter... Wherever possible, you're trying to drip, drip, drip these real examples of the difference the donors' gifts are making.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and a recent example was, it was actually an email, a little couple of sentence story to, to a donor. And um, I'd said to him, you know, have your have your tissues ready. There's going to be happy tears but at the end of these three sentences. Um, And it was essentially a story about a bear that we had rescued. So like you say, Rob, we we have what the problem is. We have what the the action is, which is, you know, in this case, it was Animals Asia, Asia rescuing this little bear cub and what the result is. And so I sent it to him and a couple of minutes later, he emailed back and he said... I'm sitting on a train right now and the train conductor's asked if I'm okay because I've got tears streaming down my face <laughs> with happiness. Um, and I think that just that just says all the impact of storytelling, that he can be sitting on a train reading a three-sentence email and have tears running down his, his cheeks.
0: Yeah, I can picture that. And, and here's the crux, isn't it? One could just intellectually describe how important it is to rescue animals that are being cruelly treated but there is nothing like being able to include a real example of that happening, especially if it happened because of the donor's own generosity, nothing compares to that in, in helping someone reconnect to some values they hold dear. And when we connect to values, we hold dear human beings, we are emotional. We, we, we react, we, we, we feel things more deeply. And I love the fact that um, they are happy tears. I mean, sometimes. Charities can get a bad name if, if if we say story or case study and it can be misunderstood to only ever be about upsetting people and talking about the bad stuff. In truth, I sense the majority of your narrative is that story arc you just told me of these problems are happening and we tend, with your help, to get these results for this thing you care about. So thank you for sharing that example. Linda, I think you mentioned in a recent conversation with me, the power of, I guess, what Professor Robert Cialdini would would call social proof, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which our listeners probably are aware of, but could you give me that example of how you've proactively used that to help other donors feel part of the family or be willing to consider an extra
1: step? Absolutely, absolutely. So we actually also use major donor testimonials as well. Um, Because it's fine for me to say how amazing it is, but when you actually have somebody who is part of the family, who is a donor and is telling, you know, why why they're part of the family and why they support Animals Asia, it's it's really powerful. So we have a Bear Guardianship programme and we had testimonials from Bear Guardians just explaining, you know, what it means to them, why they did it and why they're going to continue to support Animals Asia and it's quite funny. I said we had a testimonial from each country and um, I had like the feedback saying like, oh, I really, really like from the person that did the testimonial. I really, really like this person's testimonial and this person's testimonial. Uh-huh. So it's working even if you write the testimonial. Um, so so that's something that I think is really, really important is, you know, bring your major donors on board as well.
0: Yeah. And, and the, the heart of it is people, they like to give money if money is one thing that can help solve a problem they care about but they really enjoy helping in other ways or certainly being asked so they can weigh up whether they can help in these other ways so that they're they're being a supportive part of the family is holistic rather than only about the cash though of course hooray that your charity needs the, the cash as well so we need to finish fairly soon linda but i just wonder if there's any more couple of ideas that you wanted to share with our listeners that you've learned along the way or you've, you've learned sort of, originally you might have known it as a some common sense or a cliche but now you've your journey in fundraising has helped you get a sort of a, a depth to a couple of these principles what would you add
1: I would say never give up never give up so most people if you're trying to re-engage or engage someone they'll try two or three times they might try a couple of different ways and then think like, I'm, I'm not hearing anything back here i'm i'm going to leave it but i was actually reading that it can it normally takes seven seven attempts to get that full connection with someone and um, which seems a lot but um you know go with it go with it because you never know when that is going to be your leading major donor, so don't rule anyone out. Um, But also, like, celebrate your successes as well. You know, we're we're doing a tough job and we're doing really, really well at it. And I think the other thing to say is really that what we do is all about relationships. And the more you get to know a donor, I I promise you, you, the more successful you're going to be getting to know those donors and taking them on that journey with you.
0: Mm. It, It really... It makes such a difference if we hold to a belief that uh, if if someone cares about our charity and and they've given, there could be a hundred reasons why they've not quite got round to responding yet and to to keep doing our best to make it easy for them to connect again. So, Linda, thank you ever so much for sharing all these ideas again for the podcast. I really appreciate it. I really look forward to catching up with you again to see how you're getting on. But for now, best of luck with your fundraising and we will speak again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you found our conversation helpful. If so, and you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, please do remember to do that today. As always, you can see a short summary and a full transcript of this conversation in the episode notes, which are on the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. And if you're interested in boosting your confidence and knowledge to help you lift high-value fundraising results, then do check out our Corporate Mastery and Major Gifts Mastery programmes. You'll experience the same level of training and individual coaching support that Linda received when she attended the course a few years ago. The next programmes start in April 2022, and at the time of publishing this, there is a super early discount available. To find out more, head over to brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. If you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to share it with your team or on social media, thank you ever so much. It really does help us to get these out to help as many good causes as possible. If you'd like to get in touch on Twitter, Linda is at LatchLinda, and I am at Woods underscore Rob, and we're both on LinkedIn. Finally, thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing more Bright Spot stories and ideas with you very soon.